welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here with Father Chuck. Hello, Father Chuck. Yo! Hey. Go uh, with power, Nintendo power. <laughs> I was about to say, is there like a sound effect, a Nintendo sound effect used for entrances? Like, Oh, you could use... Boop, boop, boop. I don't know. You could, you could do... Um, you could probably do the sound of like the ducks and duck hunt getting shot maybe <laughs> i don't know i think that the sound going through, a, through the pipe and super mario brothers oh, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah or the sound or just, of or the sound of getting the mushroom and getting big that too or just a good old-fashioned that's how you know things are getting started that's true that's true <laughs> uh we're totally geeking out all this nintendo stuff because as you know listener uh, we are in week two of our creator series, which we didn't really come up with a clever name this time. No, we didn't. Uh, this is boring old creator series. And uh, this week, we are going to talk about Shig- Shigeru Miramoto. And I learned that when you type in S-H-I-G, uh, he is always the second name to come up in Google. <laughs> Who's the first? That's a good question. I don't know. Let me check. <laughs> Not just says sugar Miyamoto on mine, so it's uh, right. toxin. I don't, I don't. Okay, I don't know. Shigellosis, shigellos, shigella. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but before we jump into that, and I forgot what I was going to say. What I can talk about while you think about that, JP, is uh, okay. after last week's episode and this in between every between last week I was on this week episode. Um, yeah. Kana and I watched Avatar. <laughs> this is becoming like a three-act arc. Oh, totally. The series. Oh, it's Chuck completely. becoming a fan of Avatar. This is Avatar is my sliders on this show. <laughs> okay, I, I I can get behind that. So I have to say, much better movie than I remembered it to be. <laughs> really. I, honestly, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I might need help. I'm very obsessed. Oh, you, you might need help, Chuck. There is that syndrome. Yeah, tell me about this. That, you mentioned this in a thread, and I never actually looked it up. Yeah, there is a. I mean, it's something like Avatar depression Avatar, syndrome, something like that. Avatar depression syndrome, where people saw the movie Avatar and all of its immersiveness. So you, they, they probably saw it in 3D IMAX. Mm-hmm. And um, they become depressed once they realize Avatar and Pandora doesn't exist. That because it's so beautiful, and when they're deprived of that beauty, and they know that they can never exist in that world, they just become depressed. And people have actually committed suicide over this. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Star Obviously, Wars. At least one. At least one guy did. Star Wars doesn't have any of that. <laughs> no, they just project their their. They just become angry. They project that anger onto other. Right. Nerds on Twitter, and they and, and towards they, towards George Lucas, and they steal toys from children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they or they buy up toys for that should they were meant for children. Yeah, I I um, every fandom has their mental illness, Chuck. I guess. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't really. That's kind of crazy. And you know what? I, but the thing is, I I could I could see it. I really. <laughs> well, you've could. immersed yourself in Pandora, so I could probably. You, you, I mean, you're saving a life here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh. But maybe no, that's why James Cameron made it, so people would stop killing us. <laughs> You might want to cut that. Uh, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> you made no sequel. That's because he doesn't want any more. Um, no, I, uh, I, like I said, like it's it's got a t- it's it's a hokey movie. I just you and I have talked about this a little bit this past week. I'm just really interested in the fact that, and I know a lot of people are interested in the fact that it just never took off, right? In the sense of like ingraining itself in the pop culture that it made a lot of money. It was very financially successful because it was a spectacle. Like it was an event to go see it. Right. But it never really went beyond the event except for like a very small subset of people. Cause I got to tell you, I, I, I went across the, I came across the avatar Wikia. <laughs> and oh, dude, great. There are some, there are some in-depth things going on. There are some fans out there. I don't know where they exist because if you type in if you type in Avatar on Tumblr or something, try to find these people, it's all Last Airbender. So yeah. find, I don't know where you find the Avatar fans. Like maybe JP, this is one of those things where like it's legit old school fandom where it's like there's like underground fanzines and they're like writing letters to the editor somewhere and or they're like a letter writing group and that's just how it all. It's like they've got their version of Starlog out there. <laughs> Maybe it's called there, maybe it's called Thanatar. Maybe you should find the the, the Thanatar MMO. Is a, the Thanatar what? The MMO the Avatar MMO that came out. They made an MMO. Oh yeah, it was a big thing. It was like part of the whole campaign. I know they made a Where video. Either... I know they made a video game on PS3. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, MMO. the MMO was kind of like a supposed to be like a huge part of the movie. From what I remember, like that was going to be like their big. You, sh- you you should never have said this to me. <laughs> and you know what's funny is is I think it, it it's also tied in with uh, the action figures have those uh, augmented reality cards you can use yeah to create augmented reality uh, like vehicles and stuff. <laughs> you should never have told me this. <laughs> yeah, dude, and I think you can like play with them. Like I think you can like actually game with people in real life like 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 magic but it has they're like the choppers attack like the the alien aliens and stuff yeah okay you have to just stop talking (laughs) because everything you're saying is more and more appealing to me i'm just wondering like who is still playing that kind of stuff because i remember it not being very successful when it came out like i i I have a feeling that maybe there's an avatar con i don't know i (laughs) I, I want I, I feel I feel as though JP, this might be a fun Masters of Divinity investigative thing for us to look, to find out. Okay, listeners, if any of you are not bots and are actual real people listening to this podcast, please, if you are an Avatar fan, reach out to us because I'm one of you apparently. And I, oh, I, I have to know what that world is like. Well, it's, like, it's I'm only gonna, a... I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 have, I have an outline for, like, a piece of fan fiction. <laughs> okay. I'm serious, bro. It, it's bad. This is bad. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I think that concludes... This week's uh, Avatar episode. <laughs> um, tune in next week to see where where this now takes Chuck. Is he going to show up uh, covered in blue? Uh, with just before friends? I just before I got on this, I was talking uh, just before I came over to record. I was talking to my mom, um, who's you know probably our most faithful listener, and she 
she said, it sounds to me like is that you love Avatar as much as JP hates the mummy. <laughs> wow. You really love Avatar, Chuck. I, she seems to recognize that. Um, sorry, I'm looking at things on the Googles for Avatar MMO. Uh, I think it's, no, that's not it. That's last night Bender stuff. I could see the frustration for Avatar fans just constantly yeah, coming across. And then if you type in Pandora, you just get that jeweler. <laughs> uh, Avatar, the MMORPG. I know oh, that's again. That's a uh, last serve Monday. You might be, anyway. Wait, 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 I will do some research, and then next <laughs> week that can be where I'm talking about how I haven't slept in three days because I'm playing the. I'm the only person. I'm the only person on the Avatar MMO server. Oh, uh, what's your Navi name going to be? Are you going to be a Navi, or are you going to be the the one of the Marines? Because uh, you choose the side. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tree hugger, brother. I'm with the Navi. <laughs> oh God! I want. I want to choose my Ekron. I, want I don't know what that is. It's the, it's the Banshee. The Navi okay. word for the Banshee is the Ekron. It's All also right. it's also known as a Leonopteryx. Uh, that's sort of the scientific name. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I told this is you. getting out of control. I told you. Wow. Okay. Maybe it's the future. I don't know. Maybe you're all ahead of us, Chuck. Maybe these sequels are going to blow us all away and they're going to be awesome. And you're going to be like, told you, I told you. I was a fan first. How great would that be actually? <laughs> I would love to see James Cameron on top of his game again. Yeah. I would. Yeah, let's, let's, let's take a brief moment to just appreciate the genius of Terminator, the original oh, yeah. The Terminator, and yes. The Abyss. Two oh, yeah. friggin' incredible movies. Yeah. I, I, my parents let me see The Abyss in theaters when I was a kid. I'm jealous. I didn't even know it existed until I had a DVD player. Really? Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Have you seen the, uh, the director's cut? I have. It's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know if I prefer that or the original, but it's interesting. Um, but yeah, dude, James Cameron, man, I, I even, you know what? I don't care. I'll say it. I love Titanic. I, here's the thing, JP. What you need to do is you need to get Avatar and watch it because I actually think he's on top of his game with it. It's years <laughs> removed from it. It's a whole different experience to because when you saw it in theaters, you're so blown away by the the 3D technology and like you know, was he really doing anything cool with it? Once you see it on a TV without all of that. Yeah. You focus on the actual narrative stuff, and it's a lot better than I remembered it being. Huh. Okay, yeah. I, I should. I guess I should check it out. I mean, it's going to be weird. I actually, ha I really haven't seen it since the saw in theaters all those years ago, which is like eight years ago now. Holy crap! I know. I remember waiting eight years to see it. Can I? I'm gonna. Um, we're gonna move on, but I just want to point out that I have managed to get us for a movie that you supposedly do not like at all. We have talked probably about a combined hour's worth on this podcast about it. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, great. Awesome. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go, let's go on to our topic. Uh, and if you haven't noticed, uh, Matt isn't with us uh, yet. He may call in. He may not. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to move on and um, talk about Shigeru Miramoto. Chuck. Yes. Who is Shigeru Miramoto? All right, imagine it is the 1970s. Okay. At this, point, 
at this point, uh, there is a Japanese playing card company uh, that has been around since the 1800s that has been trying to break into the video game market, known as, and they are known as um, Nintendo. And they've got a couple of games in the arcades. They're okay. They're pretty much derivative of things like Asteroids or Space Invaders or whatever. And they're very interested in something new. Well, the, 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 the director, I can't remember his name, but the director of the video games department, he finds working, um, sort of working in the basement of that company as this young kid that they hired. Um, they hired him because his dad was friends with the CEO and he had some cool looking toy designs. And so they had him working on some little things here and there. And he talked to him about some video games and he came up with a really cool concept um, that wound up being a game we all know as Donkey Kong. Um, that young man is Shigeru Miyamoto. He created Donkey Kong. I know you're going to want to talk about Donkey Kong a little bit later, so I won't get into the development of Donkey Kong. Um, okay. But from that game is a character who you control, who in Japan is known as Jump, who was in Japan known as Jump Man. But um, in America, uh, they decided to give him a name of Mario after the name of the landlord of the Nintendo of America offices because Japan because uh, Nintendo of Amer Nintendo wanted to break into the American arcade world. Yeah, it was like their warehouse too, right? It was yeah, just a... yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so that character winds up winds up starring in another kind of obscure arcade game, just known as. Mario Brothers, um, which is we respected, but doesn't really gain, doesn't really go anywhere in the in the in the mainstream culture. I've played this game, by the way. I have too. I have it on my um, I have it on um, on my um, Game Boy Advance. It's not very good. <laughs> no, it is not very good. <laughs> but during this time, another another uh, cataclysmic event happens, and that is the release of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred ET video game. Which is yeah. largely considered to be the worst video game ever made. I played it. You know, I played it. I had it. Oh, really? Yeah. My mom bought when I was a kid because video games, you know, were sort of a thing. So she bought a video game system for me when I was little. She bought an Atari 2600. But I got it super cheap uh, at a flea market or a garage sale. And it had E.T. with it. And I was super excited because, you know, E.T. Hey, I was a kid. It's E.T. This is the friggin' hardest video game. It, it's <laughs> awful. It is an awful game. Um, I won't go into the details. You can read about it, listener, if you don't know already, but know about it. But the thing that's notable about E.T. is it completely tanked the video game market in North America. Um, it, that combined with <clears throat> the market was flooded with terrible third-party video games. And at that time, so a couple of years after that implosion, Nintendo of America decides they want to market their family computer or the Famicom in the United States. And... People think they're insane because nobody in the U.S. is playing video games. So they, re, they redesign it to make it look like a VCR with a front-loading cartridge rather than a top-loading right. cartridge. They call it the Nintendo Entertainment Center. They package it with a robot. They try to do all this stuff to make it look more like a toy and less like a video game system. But the thing that sets it apart is that character of Mario is then added to a new video game called Super Mario Brothers. And from that point forward, video gaming is never the same again. 
That's who Shigeru Miyamoto is. He is the creator of Super Mario, of famous video games like The Legend of Zelda, um, F-Zero, Star Fox, uh, a, a relatively new franchise known as Pikmin. Um, he is considered the Steven Spielberg of video gaming. Um, Which I take issue with. Because I think he's actually done more for video games than Steven Spielberg has done for movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he's more like the Cecil B. DeMille <laughs> of like video games. Like, right. I don't every, know. I can't think of a Basically, everything, almost everything you associate with, with the concept of video games, comes from Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. Almost everything. Exactly. It, now, I will say it's hard to talk about Miyamoto without talking about Nintendo as a company because – you know, there's there's so many moving parts involved in making a video game. They're very tied together. Their history. Yeah, but he, you know, he he's responsible for what we understand video games to be. Um, whether it's Call of Duty or The Last of Us or um, anything in the Metroid franchise or whatever. Yeah, it's all it and all just, goes back to him. And it's simple things like a, like story. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, or Donkey Kong designing, is the first design. Yeah, designing characters before the game. Right. Like, yeah, Donkey Kong is the first video game to have a story, yeah. a plot. Right. Little simple things like that. And yeah. and uh, I have to say, doing my research, I was very, um, mm. I was very interesting, uh, learning about him and everything that he accomplished, and as well as like where Nintendo came from. I know like one of the big things that set Nintendo apart was that it wasn't going to do the whole third party thing, right. but all the, the other the Nintendo seal of approval. Right, exactly, and, and, and the fact that it was a console and not like a computer, like the other, right. Uh, and I, I gotta say, devices were well, and, and and Nintendo, Nintendo has a very similar philosophy to Apple. You yeah. know, they make, they make, they make console systems to play their games. They don't really care about other people's games. They care about making consoles to play their games. It's a very proprietary approach. Right. And I, I think you know, and whenever, and the only, and the times that Nintendo has ever drifted from that, it has not worked out for them. The Wii U is a great example. The Wii U was Nintendo's attempt to try to enter into the mainstream video game market to compete with PlayStation and Xbox, and it just wasn't going to happen because anymore consumers expect a certain thing from Nintendo. And and I, I know I just I associate there's a class of things that I associate that are sort of similar to me, and it's Disney. Apple and Nintendo to me are very similar companies with very similar philosophies and and they put out quality products every time when they stick true to that. Yeah. I will say that I'm a little disappointed in in Super Mario run. (laughs) Oh, the, the, well, again, they, they, they're, it's the first time they've developed something for someone else's platform. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I I learned about that too. Yeah. Um, Even though I I did have a lot of fun initially, it just kind of got old. I kind of ran out of things to do. You know, their whole whole philosophy is to make things challenging so that you become like more, you feel rewarded once you com- complete something. I, the reward is gone at that game for me. <laughs> like I feel like I've earned everything. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I paid for the full version of it. I enjoyed it. I don't understand. I, I mean, too. I also think that people got mad about the whole full version thing, and that never made sense to me. Like what they, you you complain yeah. about microtransactions. In video gaming, you think that's a terrible thing. So Nintendo comes along and obviously you game without that, but now you're saying that you hate that. It, it makes no sense. Get video. I, I know I've said it before. I know Fun, Father Fun came on our podcast it was the first time to rebuke me for this, but <laughs> video gamers are sometimes just the worst. <laughs> By the way, I do feel kind of weird uh, doing this episode without Father Fun. I know. I'll say that. I, I feel like he needs to be here. 
but I'm sure he'll listen to it. Yeah, and maybe we'll get him on for something else. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two. I feel like yeah. we, we could say a lot about Nintendo. Um, but today we're not here to just talk about Nintendo. We're here to talk about Shigeru Minamoto. Yep. And let me ask you, Chuck, why did you choose Shigeru Minamoto for our creator series? You know, I, I, I it, this, it was very difficult for me to pick a creator. I think I mentioned this last week. I... I was I was all set to talk about Steve Jobs. I, I thought that was going to be an interesting thing to talk about. Talk about him as a creator in the sense of orchestrating a creative process and and, and all of that. Um, um, but I, I know I just didn't feel very satisfied as that to, as a pick. And I don't know. I just kind of was thinking about sort of outside the box. You know, we we focus on you know comic books and books and movies a lot. And I just thought about something that we don't normally talk about, and then it dawned on me. Because I've, I've been playing a lot, of, obviously, as I mentioned several other episodes, I've been playing a lot of um, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I just kind of think about Nintendo, and I thought about Miyamoto, because I realized, and that's when I realized he has shaped significant aspects of my childhood and life. Oh yeah, and also an obscene amount of the culture that we live in. But he's really own like there's there are people who know who he is without knowing him you know what i mean like uh, like those of us in the video who, who who are you know video game players or 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 approximate to the video gamer identity occasional gamers whatever we might know who he is he's right. practically a household name i i don't know other people but they but they they know who mario is they know donkey kong they know all of that stuff um, like the back of our hands. Yeah, yeah. And I, and the other thing is, I think I think he's the first video game maker that I could ever name. I think he's the first person that I could talk about. Say, oh yeah, Miyamoto or Miyamoto. He he made this that, and I, I knew more about him during the development of Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo sixty four than anything before that. But anyway, that's why I picked him. I, I realize he's got, he's had a, an, a, a seismic impact on global culture. He definitely has. And he's worth, and I think for that, he's worth talking about. Yeah. Thank you for calling in Matt. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the show. Um, <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. Cause I guys, know we, it's, it's a lot. Guys, uh, guys <laughs> we are, we are so professional. It's not even funny. So, all right. Not even funny. Listeners, we, can't, we don't lie to you, listeners. We don't <laughs> lie. Um, we recorded probably about an hour, or close <laughs> to an hour, when I realized that something had happened um, when we added Matt to the call <clears throat> that stopped the recording process. So yeah. we recorded like we recorded like 55 minutes of an episode or whatever without um, – without, uh, without yeah. recording, so uh, so we're we're kind of BSing our way through. That's fine. Pretending like that didn't happen. So we are super professional. <laughs> we can do this. This is why they listen to us, guys. This is why they listen to us. This is why we make fifty five thousand yeah. dollars a month on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Matt, thank you for calling in for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm our hey, I'm our first caller. I feel like we've already done this. So. Uh, I, I will say that I did think the bit you said, Matt, that was that was pretty funny before is when you talked about how you had um kind of forgotten. Like, yeah, they, I'll, I'll tell <clears throat> I'll tell the listeners because JP is going to ask Father Chuck the same question. 
And when he originally answered the question that he's getting ready to ask, um, Father Chuck went on for a very well said explanation. <clears throat> I will give you that. Um, you did a great job. But him and JP <coughs> kind of talked for, we'll just say a while <laughs> before, <laughs> before somebody asked if I was even on the phone. And I was like, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I, I, I have a headset in and was driving home. Um, so I was like, to be honest with you, I forgot that I'm on the podcast. And for a split (laughs) second, I thought I was just listening to an episode I hadn't heard before. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a minute. Um, and then they asked me a question. I realized I'm supposed to be talking. Father Chuck, how has Shigeru Miramoto? Am I saying? Am I? Am I being? Am I? Do I sound pretentious when I say his name? By the way, Shigeru Murumoto, Is that? I mean, that's that's pretty close to accurate pronunciation. I think. I know everyone that I've ever Bam. known calls him Miyamoto, but Miyamoto is that much sounds, more. Is much more. Miyamoto clear. sounds so American. Yeah, it just sounds like like I'm saying salsa or I'm saying Mario <clears throat> or Iluvatar you know, or <laughs> or Jabez. <laughs> 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 do you guys remember those people great, that from, great yeah. callbacks to previous episodes but it way, is a great callback. Say so. um do you guys remember those people who, who call super mario mario oh yes, my gosh yes the less said about them the better <laughs> i'm not the only one thank god you play a mario brothers my feeling about that is close to my feeling of when people call the atat the at at the, the at at <laughs> oh i hate that don't at at me <clears throat> Um, so, Father Chuck, I'm asking you this question for the very first time. <laughs> um, how has Shigeru Miyamoto's work impacted you? I mean, obviously it's huge, um, because I've played a lot of video games in my time. Uh, and I, 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 I'll give the shorter version, because I, I, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to talk about Mario and, and all of that, and, and I do have my beloved Super Mario Brothers 3, and I'll tell a story about that, that I'll, or repeat at this point a story about that in a moment. But I think the thing, that, <clears throat> the game that really impacted me the most, the two games, one's a Miyamoto game and one's not. The one that's not a Miyamoto game is uh, Metroid. Metroid had a profound impact on me as a kid, but, you know, it's not Miyamoto, so we're not going to talk about that. But the other one is The Legend of Zelda. And then the whole franchise. I just I deeply love the franchise. Um, the original Legend of Zelda, I rented it from a video store, and I played it incessantly. It was the first game where I made it to a dungeon, and I beat a dungeon. I mean, I was little. I was like five, six years old. And I beat this dungeon, and I, and I thought I beat the game. I was ecstatic. I beat the game. I beat the game. <laughs> and then I realized that I only had one piece of the Triforce. And yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit soul-crushing. Um, oh, Triforce. But... But, but what it fostered in me was this, this idea of exploration, that video games, you could explore in them. They didn't just have to be running from right to left or left to right, you know, um, and trying to beat the clock or get a high score or whatever. It could just the be first a true, The first true sandbox game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I mentioned – I don't know if I mentioned it before the call or not, but that, that sense of this being a garden – that you can yeah. access at any time. Yeah, because yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Because you were saying how you kind of imagine the garden when you're farming. Yeah, when like I'm working on the terms. farm, I always yeah. imagine like a topside map view. I mean, I'm just like <clears throat> ruffling through bushes, finding things. Yeah, and I found and that Zelda, like, like, I'd, Link. like I'd play Zelda and then I would I'd go outside. It would inspire me to go outside and play in my backyard and pretend that, you know, the plants were a forest and, you know, it. It's just you – know, and Mario Mode himself created a game based off of his own explorations around the Kyoto countryside. 
and wanted to replicate that for everyone. And when I read this idea that he wanted it to be a garden that everyone visited, it almost became spiritual in my mind. Like, I just read this recently, and it makes me really want to get a Legend of Zelda cartridge and, like, an NES because I feel like there's something very, you know, tangible and, and great about that experience of, of it. Because I have it on my virtual console, and I've, been, and I've played it. Um, but, yeah, anyway, the idea that you can explore in a video game is incredible to me. And I think maybe the most groundbreaking concept. The original Legend of Zelda, I think, is maybe the most groundbreaking concept in all of video game design. You could kind of cons- explore an E.T., right? The le- uh. <laughs> <clears throat> A little bit? A little bit? I hate E.T. <laughs> that's, the first make game, it into the- that's the first game that ever made me want to break a controller. <laughs> I've never played it, but it does look hor- horrific. You fall in a and hole. And I do know the, 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 the whole legend about them burying it in a landfill yeah there's a documentary about them digging them up yeah (laughs) um great uh matt wells um Uh, well there's 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 one problem with chuck's story first of all um he he originally rented the game from a video store what's a video store (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you go to the store i don't 99% 99% of people who listen to a podcast never saw a video rental store. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah. They've heard about the new legend, I'm sure. Yes, the blockbusters. <laughs> that was the legend of Zelda. It was the video store. Um, oh, going through a video store was like a dungeon in Legend of Zelda. <clears throat> Guys, it's like those red box machines you saw, except it was a whole building. <laughs> there, there you go. going inside a red box. I read. Oh, can I at least say something, Matt? Since you brought this up, I read an article in Crack.com the other day that was talking about stuff that we, our generation, put up with that our kids are going to have no frame of reference for. It was talking about not just the video store, but the concept that if somebody kept the game too long, someone else didn't get to play it. That mm-hmm. that's like our kids are not going to understand that at all. Or you might or, have to go to Blockbuster multiple times to you know hoping that it's there. Or be kind, rewind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, can I just can no, I say no idea. I just don't understand the hipster obsession with the cassette tape right now because rewinding is about the worst thing. It is. It sucks. And as someone who used to work on Blockbuster and had to rewind videos when people just decided not to rewind them. Because they weren't kind. Yeah, they weren't kind. They weren't. <clears throat> but we got back at them with late fees. <laughs> Suckers. Um, <laughs> Until um, Blockbuster <laughs> got sued for their late fees. But anyways, yeah. carry on. And then I got fired for... <laughs> um, uh, Matt, Matt, tell, tell me. Uh, the, these Shigeru Miyamoto games, you've, you've played Mario, right? Yeah. Yes, I've, I've, I have played Mario... Um, you played you played Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I played Mario. <laughs> um, um, uh, do, of these games we mentioned, are there any that uh, that really impacted you growing up, or still kind of play to this day? Or? Yeah, Super Mario Brothers, the second one. Sorry, we see our lost episode, guys. I know, uh, lost levels. Uh, our lost levels. Yeah, our lost levels to be released someday. 
Um, <laughs> we should take a, a Japanese podcast and like turn it into a Masters of Divinity podcast. Oh, just like Doki Doki Panic that became Mario Brothers <laughs> 2, for those who don't know yeah. what we're referencing here. <laughs> yeah, and, and Father Chuck taught me something I didn't know because I made the joke because JP asked us about Super Mario Brothers and then he immediately brought up the third one and I was like does anybody even like the second one because he skipped it completely um, and Chuck taught me that <clears throat> it's it's um, it doesn't even have to it wasn't even meant to be the same thing yeah. um, it wasn't a Mario game it wasn't me why, yeah. and that's why it didn't feel right that makes a lot of sense yeah it was meant to be something else and was repurposed um, but yeah no, that was cool that was good the quick rundown is in Japan, uh, they had Mario 2. It's called, uh, it was considered super difficult for kids because that was where the idea is they wanted to just increase the challenge because Japanese children at that time liked playing video games for challenges. Uh, as I joked, I think they're, they're kids, they're far less rage monsters as American children. Nintendo of America realized American kids were never going to play this video game because they would just get angry. Trust me, as somebody who has broken many a Nintendo controller, I would have gotten, if I would have, it would have been bad. Um, and they um, and so they they repurposed this game called Doki Doki Panic, which Miyamoto had developed at, um, as a tie-in to a, either a Japanese radio program or a talk show program, um, and it um, and so they just repurposed it into Mario Two. It did not exist in Japan until the two thousands um, with some kind of greatest hits three DS release or something like that. And, uh, yeah, and then um, Super Mario Brothers Lost Levels, which is the American version of the Japanese Super Mario Brothers 2, first showed up in the United States as an add-on, I believe, to Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo. Boom. I'm applauding that. That was, that's impressive, my friend. Now, Matt, can you repeat everything you said before? <laughs> or... Uh, I can't repeat what he just <laughs> said. I don't know. <laughs> so Super Mario Brothers 3 was sort of a big thing for you, Matt? Is that what you're trying yeah, to tell me? I, I, I did really like that one. Um, you, you didn't answer. You, you didn't chime in when JP asked uh, in, the, in the first draft of this whether or not you learned about Mario 3 from the same source as JP and I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the source was. The wizard. Oh, the wizard. How did I forget about the wizard? Um, uh, yeah, of course I did. Everybody loved that movie. We all did, yeah. We, we all wanted we wanted it. We wanted that power glove, and we oh, power glove. our dreams were crushed and shattered with that stupid glove. I, um, I I always wanted that glove. I remember begging my mother to get me that glove. She wouldn't get me that glove. I had sort of like a makeshift, I don't know, some kind of glove that I pretended was the power glove. I wanted it so bad I would pretend that I had the power glove, and I had a little case to carry it around because that kid in the wizard has it in a case. What was that kid's name? I don't know, Brian or something. He had a mullet. No, no, it was a total. <laughs> I'm looking this was up. Was it Blade? Please, someone was like Blade. No, it wasn't Blade. It was. Mm. was it, I wish was I still it? had the glove because I'd just walk around wearing it. Totally. You know what's really what's They're really funny is now like collector's items. When the Wii came out. And I told one of my someone I was working with about it and how like I was like, there's this new technology where like everything is motion activated and stuff. And he was like, you mean like the power glove? I was like, oh, oh, my God. Wait a second. We already we already had a Wii <laughs> like, I, like 20 years ago. If I'm not mistaken, I think someone made like a holder for the Wii controller that was a power glove. Like you could put the controller into a power glove. 
can I just say, we all have experienced our, our parents attempting to play our video games when yeah. we were younger. My mom was good at and, Mario Brothers at Super Mario And I, I am of the belief that the Nintendo Wii was created for them. Oh, because totally. they would take our stinking Nintendo controllers, and when they jumped, they would like fling them up in the air, like oh, it's going to do something. <laughs> Not my um, mom. She didn't know something so, could happen. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. So when they created a remote that you move and it actually does it, I was like, wait a minute. Our parents have been trying to do this for years. That or that or they've assumed that all video gamers play like video gamers on like sitcoms and commercials. Given it's like every kid in those things is always like when they're playing, they they're like really over animated with it. Yeah, um, and it's like they're just mashing buttons. Um, uh, Lucas, by the way, Lucas, that was his name in the movie. Lucas, Lucas with the power glove. It's so bad. It's so bad. I love the power glove. Rad Racer. That, that's what he was playing. That's right. That's right. Rad <laughs> Oh, Oh, speaking of racing games, Miyamoto was also responsible for one of my favorite NES games, which is Excite Bike. Excite Bike. Oh, is that the, the, the <sighs> dirt, dirt, yeah. dirt bike game? Motocross yeah. game? Yeah. Um, Real quick, so, because we missed it, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I have to acknowledge it um, because we're talking about Mario 3. Um, just like we all saw, I saw in The Wizard. I mean, I don't know if our listeners understand the hype that was developed around that game because of The Wizard. It's um, huge. But I, I, it, uh, the game was sold out everywhere. And so this is my touching story about how I got Mario 3. Um, was right. that Easter after it was released, uh, my grandmother um, came over to my house and she gave me an Easter basket and normally, you know, Easter basket is just candy. There's nothing special presents in it. And after I took everything out, she was like, I think there's something under the grass, you know, that like fake plastic grass in the bottom of, of, um, of uh, Easter baskets. And I pulled it apart, and there was my shrink wrap copy of Super Mario Brothers 3. And so it was one of the best gifts my grandmother ever gave me. So thank you, Nini. You gave me hours and hours of enjoyment, and Mario 3 will always hold a special place in my heart because of your, your kindness. Aww. Or adorable. Yes. Um, <clears throat> if I can kind of just talk about uh, my experience this past week, uh, looking up no. stuff by Shigeru. Man. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's... Okay. Well, well, okay, we'll just talk about uh, Avatar, I guess. I don't know. Oh, what? Did I hear? No, no. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know... Part of this, the point of this series is that one of us announces the creator we want to talk about, and then we go our separate ways and we do research and we, we, we just kind of experience what they've created. I don't have a Nintendo. I don't have a Super Nintendo. I don't have any of this stuff. So I just had to use the internet and watch videos and read articles and stuff. I, try, I, I definitely expanded my horizons past Wikipedia this time. I promise. And uh, there were some things I found interesting uh, about uh, Mr. Miyamoto. Uh, first of all, is how he developed Donkey Kong. Uh, originally, and the, it stuck out to me because he has this in common with a bunch of other creators that I, I hold dear. And <laughs> you loading up a Game Boy Advance right now, <laughs> son? <laughs> oh gosh, what game is that? I can't. I can't see it. Oh, uh, it's it's Super Mario Brothers Three. Okay, all right. <laughs> you do that while I talk about this. Um, so. He developed Donkey Kong, and originally it was supposed to be a Popeye game. Uh, it was supposed to be about Popeye, uh, and, or Bluto steals Popeye's girlfriend, Olive Oil, and he has to try to get her back. And 
um, they couldn't get the rights to Popeye. So he had to come up with his own ideas. He changed Popeye to this character named Jumpman, who eventually became Mario, as we talked about. Uh, Mario. And he, <laughs> he turned uh, Bluto into uh, a gorilla, which is Jumpman's pet. And then Olive Oil into uh, Mario's girlfriend. And it's interesting because he's not like the first creator to do that, where he was denied the opportunity to work on a different, on, on an, a well-known property and then have to create his own ideas based on that property in order to recreate a feel and stuff like uh, George Lucas is famous for, for trying to make a flash Gordon movie. Uh, but he couldn't get the rights. So he made star Wars. Uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to make a James Bond movie, but that was proven to be too difficult. But George Lucas said, Hey, I've got this, uh, <laughs> guy named indiana jones he's like james bond he's american he kills nazis and that's how that happened and uh james cameron i don't know he kind of works into that sort of pantheon as well with you know i don't know stan lee stan lee's a better example he he, they they wanted a, a justice league type team and he came up with a fantastic four so i i found that interesting that amongst all these legendary creators all started with i can't work on the thing that i love or the thing that I already like. So I had to come up with my, my own idea, but the idea is very similar in feel to what they wanted to do work on originally. And I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that it, and it's not, it's not like, it's not like Donkey Kong is a rip off of Popeye <laughs> or that star Wars is a rip off of flash Gordon. Like they just, but they, they still were able to somehow capture the feel of it. Cause Donkey Kong totally could be a Popeye right. video game. If you know you grew up in the fifties and sixties, you know who Popeye was. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that stuck out to me that I thought was really interesting. The other thing was uh, World One One, which is the very first level in Super Mario Brothers. And what stuck out to me is that it's what I found interesting about World One One is that um, it's considered to be the most iconic level in video gaming history. And the reason why it is, is not because of how creative it is or because it's Mario, but because the mechanics were used uh, to teach people how to play the game in that level. And that was the first game to ever do that, to actually teach you how to play it. Right. You know, most games that came before that, it's like they had like manuals and stuff you had to read. And, you know, and, and Mario came with manual came with a manual and not Nintendo's game of manuals, but you can learn how to play just by playing. I, I never read manuals when I was a kid. I just learned how to play it. And so Super Mario was the first one to do that. Uh, you know, and, and it's the way the level is designed. It's designed for you to like, just to just play, like to, to have fun and, and explore and learn how to use the controls. And, you know, the very first thing that approaches you is a Goomba and it's like, it looks kind of evil. So let's, <clears throat> uh, what do we do? Do we, you're not going to run into it. You either jump over it or you jump on top of it. Like, oh, here's all these blocks of question marks. Let's, let's, let's see what happens when you hit them, when you jump into them. You know? And I thought that was fascinating because last week, um, when we were talking to Rob Bell, I spoke about how artists communicate to us through their art. And what stuck out about me in World War One, World One, it sounds like I'm saying World War One. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> world, World One One is that. Miyamoto was communicating to us kids at the time and teaching us how not just how to play a game, but to how to use these new mechanics that we're not used to. Kind of like teaching us a new like a new way of life almost. Yeah. 
while you're talking about that, the thing that I've been, I was really kind of honing in a little bit, and it's surprised that there's not more that I found written about it, is actually the development of the the NES gamepad, because oh, yeah. you, in the arcades, because there, there was no Super Mario Brothers arcade version. You know, arcade games were joysticks. Right. The gamepad used the D, the directional pad, the D pad, and then yeah. it had these two buttons, and one made you jump, one made you run fast. Um, and it's, like you said, the game taught you how to use it. It's trying to teach you how to use this device in your hand. Right. And, the, and the thing that gets me, though, is, so the Famicom, which is the Japanese Nintendo Entertainment System that I mentioned earlier, um, excuse me, it, Mario is actually released to be the last cartridge game for the Famicom. Because they were oh, moving really? to the disc system, which which was a device that attached underneath the Famicom, which is actually what Zelda oh, wow. was, uh, the wow. first disc game. Um, uses and we say disc like a floppy disc kind of situation. Um, that was Famicom Disk Drive, I think it was what it's called. Um, and so my, Miyamoto said that with Super Mario Brothers, he wanted it to be the thing that did that sort of did everything that a con, that a cartridge game could do. That was going to be right. exploit everything that a cartridge could do, the limit, the full limitations of a cartridge. So anyway, so that kind of came like at a major shift in Japan. But in the United States, Super Mario Brothers was really early on for the NES. And, you know, we never got the disc system. So um, so we never knew what, what that all that meant. But for us, you know, so like so, you know, Japanese kids for years had had video games, getting them accustomed to the idea of the of the directional of the of the gamepad. Um, it's, it was us, it was like for us, it was Mario was new. And so that intuitive issue, it, it, so this is a long way of saying that it really speaks to the intuitive nature of that first level yeah. to not only to, to teach um, most American children how to use a piece of technology that was pretty unfamiliar to them from the get go. Yeah. And, and it looked cool. Right, right, and it was, but a piece of technology that was super familiar by the time the game was developed that they didn't need to build. But yeah, so it's 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 it's, it's crazy to me that that because that's I guess it's this thing too talking about Miyamoto that in, in just as a creator because video game creation is so different than other forms of creation because not only is there story and setting, but there's you also have to figure out the way the mechanics of it work like the the actual control you know controlling the character and how it works with in and serves the narrative and the experience so you have a whole range of things going on in video game creation that are things you're not really going to experience with um you know say a comic book right yeah yeah i just thought that was interesting that the whole idea of what world one one world one one is supposed to be and it's Just to teach you how to do something, it really is. It really is an example of an artist communicating with with its audience, and I find it kind of touching because there's so much like kind of patience involved. You right, know, you can mess up, and it really is just supposed to be fun. Like there's no pressure. Like you, these these newfangled games, there's always so much pressure. And I don't know, probably and they have tutorials. Oh, tutorials. <laughs> It's like you have to be this elite gamer to know how to play it. But like Mario, I was like, ah, hit the block, see what happens. You know, I gotta yeah. say, I, I, mess up. I gotta say, the game, a recent video game that to me captures that great innocent quality of the early Nintendo games is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Uh, it's very much like the original Zelda in the sense that the game just starts. 
There's no like grand like movie that sets it up for you really or anything. You just Link wakes up. He's got like no clothes on and you have to figure <laughs> out your controls. There's no one holding your hand to tell you how to control things, how to do any of that. It and it's that right. same kind of level design of of teaching you how to to use the thing in front of you. You yeah. just it just becomes kind of intuitive. Matt, you were trying to say something. So no well, no, I went to speak when I thought there was going to be a break, but there wasn't okay. because I was going to, to sidetrack the whole thing for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a good time. Because, because uh, unfortunately your collar um, is going to have to hang up. However, oh. I have a couple thoughts to leave you with. Okay. The first one, um, I will, I will give the confession of why I was late. Um, I went to see the dark tower. Oh. <laughs> um, How was it? Uh, I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't foresee it doing very well because it's <clears> one of those movies. It's one of those movies. I have a feeling I'll say I liked. You guys will see it and be like that was a dumb movie. <laughs> so, uh, but I liked it. the The thing that interested me the most about it, um, we talked once about how the the concept of the Dark Tower, from what I what I've been told, is how it kind of ties all of Stephen King's works together. Yeah. In the sense that this tower is this thing that protects our world from evil and things like it, Pennywise the Clown, is one right. of the things that it holds back. The movie did not play on that at all, other than there's a scene where they're walking through like the wreckage of a theme park that was titled Pennywise. Yeah. Um, and it's all clowns, and the kid's like, you guys used to have theme parks? And he's like, nobody knows what these ruins are. He's like, it was theme parks. Um, but they don't mention anything about that in the movie. However, anyway, um, my second thought for you guys, after I hang up, make sure you're still recording. Um, oh, do yeah. yourselves a favor and make <laughs> sure that you're recording for, for the wonderful ending of this show. Um, don't miss what you're saying. And if you do, um, let your listeners know that because I'll get a kick out of it when I listen back to this <laughs> when you put it on the thing. Um, and my final my final leaving thought for you with the uh, talking about Miyamoto and Super Mario Brothers probably being, and I know Father Chuck's favorite is uh, obviously Zelda, um, Legend of Zelda and Link and all those characters. However, he's probably most known for Super Mario Brothers. Oh, totally. Um, so you should talk about, just briefly, the wonderful honor that was paid to him through the incredible movie Super Mario Brothers. Um, <laughs> oh my God! And with that, and with that, I'm going to hang up and leave you guys with that thought to discuss it and explore in depth. I'm so happy you left us with that because I would have totally forgot so, about it. Yeah, um, make sure you don't leave that out. Um, I've never seen it. But on that note, never seen it. On that note, <coughs> your first. On that note, your first caller is going to have to go. I'll let. Uh, JP fill you in very very briefly on well, that wonderful movie. Oh, I know but, a lot um, about it. I've just never seen it. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to sign off. I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to say my good journey, and I'm going to say make sure you're recording. All right. Later, bro. <laughs> right. Good good Bye. journey, Matt. Goodbye. All right. So what else do we have about Miyamoto? Uh, that's all I really have. Uh, oh, that and, I mean, we should also mention that he also developed, of course, the, the Nintendo 64. Yes. And the Wii. But uh, yes, the N64. Oh my! Oh, the beloved N sixty four. 
another thing that consumed my life for quite some time. You know, as I as I mentioned in the very beginning of this, I think that his the, the Nintendo games have had a have had a Nintendo in general has had sort of a long lasting impact that has that I think has lasted longer than any other video game company or franchise or whatever. And it just it, 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 it Nintendo means something that none of the others really hold on to. Um, I mean, the others are responsible for great games. Don't get me wrong. There are great games on Xbox. There's great games in the PlayStation franchise, in the, play, in the various PlayStations and all of that. Um, but I think Nintendo will always hold a very special place in people's hearts. Um, but I think that when I look back to that generation of video game consoles, you know, the Sega Saturn, the, the PlayStation, and I guess even the original PS1, Xbox, yeah. I guess the original Xbox kind of fits in that world a little bit um i I feel like the nintendo 64 in retrospect stands out as just i had more fun like the one video game in my life that probably had the biggest impact in my life is final fantasy 7 on the original on on the on the first playstation um but i can say and so there's been a lot more serious video gaming that i did with those other systems Oh, yeah, like Resident Evil One and stuff. Yeah, Resident um, Evil, um, and even Twisted the thing, Metal. Yeah, uh, Abe's Odyssey. Abe's Odyssey is a great video game. <laughs> it is a great game. I love. That. I, I want to play it still. Like that's probably the, that was probably the too. first non-Japanese made video game that I was really impressed with. Yeah. Um, Odd World, Abe's Odyssey. Yeah, um, but um, but no, but I look back though, and I think when I look back to my Nintendo sixty four, I think I had more fun with the Nintendo 64. And I think that's really the thing about Nintendo for me that sticks is a, a commitment to fun and trying to find ways to be fun. Um, <coughs> Nintendo doesn't do serious well. Um, or like yeah. really serious, you know. Uh, there's there, there, there has to be a touch of humor and some fun in everything that they do. And I think that, 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 that really means something. Because, I mean, just talking about the 64. I mean, let's talk about a game that Miyamoto had nothing to do with, but... Uh, is the thing that solidified that system in at least in Western culture, and that is GoldenEye 007, <laughs> which is a serious game. It's a serious but, game, yeah, but it's it's but they didn't make it, but yeah, but still, like, but he, but, it's kind it, of an unexpected hit, right? Well, and, you know, Miyamoto having his hand in the development of the Nintendo 64 really made that game possible because I, even even though I played the Wii remake, it doesn't feel right playing it without the N64 controller. Like that controller know. is perfect, um, but uh, in sixty four, can I? I also, Shadows of the Empire, which is pretty good. Um, I never played Shadows of the Empire. I love that game. I have, um, I do have, uh, I uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time was. Oh yes! Oh yes! You know, it's been that is, recently reassessed day, as one of the It's been reassessed as, as as maybe the greatest video game ever made. Uh probably. <clears throat> um I don't disagree. I will say I think Breath of the Wild is better. Um and I, I would also say that I think that I that I personally think the greatest video game ever made is um Super Metroid. Um <laughs> but um we could do that Billy Madison thing. The greatest game of all time is Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong sucks. <laughs> Um, you know what? You suck. Uh, but um, Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis is the greatest video game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but, I disagree. Mortal Kombat is a very good game. 
But I think Donkey Kong's the greatest sound <laughs> of all time. Can we take a moment? Can we take a moment and talk about that scene <laughs> and how great that is? Because it shows that's probably that might be the most intellectually deep scene in an in, a, in an Adam Sandler movie, because <laughs> because he's coming at it somewhat from a nostalgia piece, but he also has a longer cultural memory than that kid, and so his his judgment is better. Yeah, because he's actually willing to say that Donkey Kong is the greatest game because of all these other factors. You know, it, it's anyway. I, I could go on, but. But no, the N64 man uh, and, and Ocarina of Time, I, I will say to – I know that there are some listeners out there that are that, – that might be video game fanatics that are listening to this. And I'm going to make you jealous because I am the proud owner of a gold cartridge uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Nice. Um, I still have the original box and everything because <coughs> I pre-ordered that game. I was like the second person in Orlando to acquire that video game. My friend Josh was the first. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? I think so, yeah. Hey, you know what's funny? I was living in Orlando when I was playing that game. Oh yeah. Did you huh. did you did you shop at the at the uh electronics boutique at the uh West Oaks Mall? No. Oh, but I know I I've, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. That's I used to I work there. I friends went there all the time. That's where I worked. Oh, that's right, cuz you, yeah. you Joey. Joey. Yeah. <laughs> I Joey knew your friend there. Joey. I forgot about Mickler. this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you think he listens to our podcast? <laughs> I wish. I hope so. Joey if, and his Japanese <clears throat> friend Hero. I hope they both. Joey listen. and Hero. If you guys are listening, because I, 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 I'm Chuck. I used to work at EV Games. I, I, you, you know me. I know you. Um, you, you used to amaze me because you looked to me like somebody who only peeled themselves off the couch just to trade in video games to buy new games. Um, and yeah, I you. You guys were in a different <laughs> league, and they, uh, yeah, it was funny that it's kind of kind of mean, but I think his name was Joey Mickler, and everyone, all the kids at school called him Joey Sticker because how skinny he was. Yeah, he was, you were yeah, he was the skinny kid. That's yeah. I forgot we have a mutual friend. <laughs> it's before, so like weird. Years before we ever met. So weird, <clears throat> and it's the weirdest with the weirdest connection because I did not hang out with that kid at all. I just he was in school for like a semester, and then he left and. Yeah, that kid anyway. spent hours at EB Games with me and Blair and Paul. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Leon. he said he spent, like, a summer in Japan, and he visited the PlayStation headquarters and stuff. And yeah, he was hardcore, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, he's designing video games. I got to look that kid up. I'm going to look him up. I think he and I actually had a really – we had a cool moment um, where a friend of ours had a, had a copy of a Japanese demo – he had like a, or he had a modded PlayStation. He had like a Japanese demo of either of Final Fantasy VIII, and I think he and I like were there playing like Final Fantasy VIII before oh, anyone really? else was playing it in the U.S. Yeah, it was kind of cool. That or <laughs> and I think he and I participated in a Tekken tournament that we were having at the game store once. Um, nice, but, uh, but yeah, dude. Um, the Nintendo sixty four. I mean, there's just so much about Miyamoto we could talk or Miyamoto we could talk about. I. We didn't even touch on Star Fox or oh, any of that stuff. Um, I mean, just, we should revisit it again. We should get Father Fun up. We in should here. get Father Fun. I think we need Father Fun's weigh in on on Miyamoto and Nintendo because absolutely he's our video game guy, and I'd be really curious to hear what his feelings are. He's probably gonna be mad at me for saying that like Sega didn't have a lasting reputation, or, <laughs> or it whatever. didn't. Let's be real, it didn't. I mean, Sonic. Sonic. Well, who cares about Sonic? Sonic sucks. Lots of people care about Sonic. Scary people care about Sonic. I know. I know. Man, there was this kid. 
So there's this girl in my uh, screenwriting class who uh, was obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog, and she wore nothing but purple. And uh, it was my advanced screenwriting class. And so, of course, what was she going to write about? Sonic the Hedgehog. She had a Sonic the Hedgehog script planned out. And my teacher was like, don't do that. She's like, but I, but I want to. She's like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> She's like, but I'm really passionate about this, and I really think it worked. He's like, I don't care. I do not want to read a Sonic the Hedgehog script in this class. You come up with your own idea. So she came up with Bonic the... I believe she dropped out. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, see, she didn't, cre- she, didn't, she didn't take no and use that to create her own thing that captured the Eggs. feel of Sonic the Hedgehog. And that explains Sonic fans and the Sega Genesis. <laughs> just, just a bunch of ripoffs, man. Hey, anyway. look, I will tell you, I had, a, I have deep love for the Sega Saturn as a video game system, and let us not forget the pour one out for for the for those who who were taken down too soon. The Sega Dreamcast, the, dream, the Dreamcast. <laughs> look no further than the Dreamcast. Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi. Come on, the. Sega, the Sega, Sega, the Dreamcast was, was a pretty awesome system. I liked the arcade game better, but whatever. What a crazy taxi! Yeah, they had the Offspring song. That was pretty cool. They had the Offspring song. Whatever. <clears throat> yeah, bro. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, I mean, if we're done here, we can talk about your creator. I wish Matt were here. So what I, I should have asked before he left. Yeah, because uh, he'd probably laugh at who I chose. Okay, so are we, are we going to wrap up on Miyamoto? Uh, you're you're the mo- you're the moderator. You tell me. All right. Well, thank you, Chuck, for you're... for for uh, bringing us Miyamoto, and I had fun researching him. I wish I could have played some games beforehand, but I, like I said, I don't have access to that kind of stuff like yeah, like you do. I yeah, but... it's you know I'm gonna I gotta say in all of this, I mean I've played I've gone through the entire Zelda pretty much the entire Zelda catalog recently. Um, I beat the original Legend of Zelda just last year, um, which was really cool. Oh, really? Um, I do, I do, I will say, I do, I pretty much always have, I, ever, I have an annual playthrough of Super Metroid that I'm getting ready to do. Um, <laughs> awesome. And, uh, but I, um, um, I gotta say that, you know, I've, having played these things very recently, but reading Miyamoto, reading about Miyamoto has made me want to revisit two things. I, I really, I want to revisit the original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, not Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, and I really also want to revisit um, Star Fox. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think I have a cartridge of for Super Nintendo, and I got to bust out, put it on my Super Nintendo here at the office. But, um, but yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we didn't, talk, we didn't talk about Super Mario World. No, we didn't. Or I, I, can I also Chris say, I will say my favorite, my favorite Mario thing though is actually Super Mario All Stars on the Super Nintendo, which was all the original Mario games upgraded to 16-bit graphics. I always preferred playing oh. that to the original. Nice. But yeah, Mario World, what another fantastic game! Or Super Mario 64. Let's oh, yes. let's take a moment. Oh, I love that game. Let's just take a brief moment to acknowledge Super Mario 64 for our listeners who might not know this. Maybe maybe a greater impact on video gaming than almost anything else my Miyamoto has been a part of before because the mechanics of 3D video gaming were created for Super Mario 64. Right. Yeah. 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 Like the the uh, ro- even like yeah. the ro- the movable camera and all of that. I mean, every 3D interactive video game existed because of the the concepts they came up with in Super Mario 64. And also, for the very first time, we heard Mario's voice. Oh, that's right. 
That's he right. actually said stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we leave, can I leave you one bit of trivia, Chuck? Sure, sure. Do you, do you know why Mario has a mustache? I, I think I know, but you tell me. Okay. Well, they wanted him to have a big nose. Right. But back then, uh, because of the, the sprites were so, you know, they're only not, what was, what was the bit rate back then? It was like. The games were 8-bit. I don't know if that's anything. 8-bit, like, yeah. Eight, it was because of 8-bit. It just kind of looked like there was a huge glob in the middle of his face. So they added a mustache <clears throat> to differentiate the nose from the rest of the face. Okay. See, I, I, had, I had heard that they, it was an attempt at giving a shadow to the nose that they, they, that they thought looked like a mustache. They just made it a mustache. But you're probably right. Mm-hmm. I'm probably remembering wrong. But either way, that's, that's, not, that's cool. Well, the reason, and the reason why I like that explanation is because it, 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 it throws away all of these ideas about racial profiling from Mario. <laughs> yeah. Italian racial profiling. <laughs> well, no, and that's, that's the thing about it is, 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 is as much as Miyamoto had characters, he had character designs. He didn't have full-fledged characters necessarily. Yeah. Um, and all of that stuff sort of built on – you know, that's the other cool thing I think about it, reading up about the original Mario game – Super Mario Brothers is how they had to work with limitations or like Donkey Kong. They had to work with technical limitations to make these things happen. Um, But you think about it. He was originally called Jumpman. There's no profiling or anything in there. He's only called Mario or Mario because of the (laughs) Nintendo of America in New York City. And the uh, and then um, he was a carpenter. In right. Donkey Kong, in Donkey Kong, yeah. But when they came up with Mario, they they, they were in, they were inspired by the pipe network in New York City, and they wanted to set it in New York because they felt that made the most sense because all the all the pipe systems in New York City for monsters to come out of, and so then right. they changed him to be a plumber so that he would be working within the pipe network. It's just one of those things where they kind of made it up as they went along, and then it turned into a stereotype inadvertently, I guess. But right, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when when N sixty four Mario came out, yeah, they kind of leaned into it. Yeah, but by that point, <laughs> it, he, he, it was what he was. But also the cartoons came out before that, too. So Right. All right, so that wraps it up for uh, Miyamoto. I guess we should talk about uh, some, uh, next week. Next week. Uh, it's my turn. It is. Um, so when I first started this, it took me a while to come up with this because I, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, you know, I was inspired because I was reading about Steven Spielberg and stuff and um, so I tried to come up with other filmmakers. I, I actually kind of teased the idea of Adam McKay <laughs> oh. because I watched Step Brothers and I thought it was <clears> hilarious. <throat> and I thought all of his comedy movies were really funny. And it's they've kind of they kind of made their own sort of brief comedies that use the improv yeah. comedy in film. But then I realized our audience is probably a little sensitive to most of Adam McKay's films that are <laughs> <laughs> raunchy comedies, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean. And yeah. So, I don't know. I went through a lot of turmoil, and I kind of just circled back around, and I'm going to do the most obvious thing, because I don't, for someone as prolific and as influential as he is, we have never really spent that much time talking about him and his movies and his influence. And, of course, I'm a filmmaker. Of course, I'm going to choose a director. So, I'm choosing Steven Spielberg. Okay. You, you initially said you weren't going to charge and choose Steven Spielberg. I know. I wasn't. I know. I know. Exactly. But I, I, I want to talk about Steven Spielberg. Because okay. I don't think we we talk about him enough, and uh, I definitely was not going to. <laughs> but I just kept thinking of anybody else, and I thought like you know, and I think and I think reading about Miyamoto is what kind of made me want to do Spielberg as well. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, you were saying that 
they call him the Spielberg of film of video gaming, but you said that that's not a fair. Yeah, it's not. But it's also at the same time, it's like just talking about that sort of creator who's connecting with, I think from a, from a standpoint of how he connected with youth in a certain time period. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good comparison, but in terms of like influence, probably more comparable, like Jim Henson, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. or Steve Jobs. Um, so yeah, Steven Spielberg. All right. We're going to talk about, we're talking about the, uh, as, as, as cinema enthusiasts refer to him as, uh, the beard. If I have the time to do it, I would probably like to watch, um, all of his bad movies. Oh, like what are considered his, his bad like films? The, the Lost World, like, Hook. <laughs> uh, 1940, 1941. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Color Purple, Always. Wait, The Color Purple is considered one of his bad movies? Oh, yeah. Really? It was It was pretty panned at the time because it, it, it felt like like really kind of pandering, I guess. Like they said he just didn't understand like a lot of racial stuff. Huh. That they thought kind of came off as weird at the time. Um, Interesting. But which he, there's a great article on Birth of Death written by Vice Victus about uh, Amistad. Now he kind of redeemed himself with that movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, which is well, a great movie, by the way. Well, we don't want to get into the episode right now yet, so. No, not yet. But come back, go watch some Spielberg movies, man. Or maybe watch some Spielberg produced cartoons. I don't know. Ooh, I can watch some Animaniacs. Or if you want to get uh, or watch watch Duel, his first film. Yeah, I've TV never movie. seen it. I've never seen it. I've been I've been curious. I've only seen parts of it. So you know, or, or just go with the classics: E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. If you can stomach it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Schindler's List. I've never said the words. I feel like watching Schindler's List today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nope. So that's next week. Join us next week. We will talk about Steven Spielberg, and. Uh, Maybe a little bit of Ready Player, Ready Player One. All right. Father Chuck, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Matt Wells, uh, well, he already, we already said good journey to him. Thank you for joining us. See you next week and have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>